0: Aloha! This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing writer Eric Palicki, the writer of the new series Blacksmith, and the preview code it's MAY211122. M A Y two That's the uh, previews catalog code for um, the Blacksmith Um, comic book series is coming out from ahoy comics that comes out on july 7th is that correct eric that is correct
1: okay and hello
0: yeah yes i'm sorry i'm (laughs) sorry i didn't give you a chance to say hello
1: sorry eric no worries
0: (laughs) okay all right so eric i'm going to give you a little bit um background history to our um our listeners so um eric has been working in comics so eric you've been working in comics for about 10 years now
1: Is that correct? Yeah, I would call it 10 years. I mean 10 years professionally. Okay. All
0: right. So about 10 years as an editor and writer, you know, um you have worked on uh you have worked for Marvel, Black Mask Studios, Darby Pop Publishing, Dark Horse, and Scout Comics, and of course, Ahoy Comics. Um, you know, um he has written Atlantis was not wasn't built for tourists for Scout Comics. No angel from Black Mass Studios, All We Ever Wanted, Stories of a Better World, and it's from A Wave Blue World, Inc., um, you, and also to your writing um, Dead Beats, but also from a, a Wave Blue World, is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I've done a total of five anthologies for uh, A Wave Blue World, uh, mm-hmm. both all We Ever Wanted and Deadbeats, which you mentioned, were nominated for Ringo Awards uh, the previous two years.
0: That's pretty cool. And then lastly, now correct me if I'm wrong, and um, you wrote, and was it just only a one issue of Guardians of Infinity number six for Marvel? Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it was a, a one issue story starring oh. uh, Gamora and Kitty Pride. Oh, okay. All right. Now, did I
0: miss anything?
1: No, that's that's pretty comprehensive.
0: Okay. All right. And before we start the interview, I'm going to give a big shout out to Hannah of Superfan Promotions. Hannah, mahalo or thank you in Hawaiian, for setting up this interview and for providing me with an advanced copy of Blacksmith Number One. So thank you very much, Eric. Do you want to add anything else to that?
1: Uh, no, I just you know uh, appreciate what both Hannah and uh, David Hyde of Superfan Promotions have done to facilitate podcasts. Uh, like this. Uh, I really enjoy talking to fellow comics lovers about about my work and about comics in general, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation, Jason.
0: Uh, Eric, thank you very much. Okay, so, Eric, first off, where can listeners follow you on social media?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, I have a website at Uh, ericpalicki.com. It does include a web store with some of my previous work available. Uh, In addition to that, I'm very active on Twitter, at Eric Palicki, and uh, less active than everyone tells me I should be on Instagram. Also at Eric Palicki.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now, where did you grow up?
1: Uh, so uh, uh, I grew up in the Midwest. In uh, I was born and raised in Toledo, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived in Toledo until I was in my mid thirties. Moved to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and then from there, I uh, took a big jump, and my girlfriend and I moved out to uh, Seattle, Washington, which is where we are right now.
0: Oh, I've been to Seattle. It's pretty cool. Um, later in the, later in the uh, interview, we'll talk a little bit more about Seattle and stuff. So. Okay. Sure. All right. So what were your first comics that you read? Uh,
1: yeah, so I came to comics uh, in about, at about sixth grade. Uh, my good friends at the time uh, were comics fans, and one of them had recently, uh, his, his uncle had outgrown his own comic collection and given it to my friend, and uh, just spending a day at my friend's house, we started going through this box of old comics uh, and discovered just a wealth of really cool books from the eighties, you know, Chris Claremont's Heyday with the, with the uncanny Mm X-Men, the Wolverine mini series. Um, I know we've talked about, uh, the armor wars, the armor wars, uh, storyline in in iron man, which was really what hooked me, Mm uh, you know, and then from there I started buying things off the shelf at that time. When Mm -hmm. I started reading, it was, uh, Jim Lee was just wrapping up his run on uncanny before moving on to, uh, X Men, and then of course over to Image Comics. Uh, Mark Silvestri and Larry Hama on on Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Those were those were the books that I really loved when I first started reading comics.
0: Okay, so you mentioned the Armor Wars. Um, I have a question for you. Uh, okay. Do you like the Silver Centurion um, armor for Iron Man?
1: That was, my first, that was my first armor, right? That was, that was the armor that, that Tony had when I first started reading Iron Man. So it will mm-hmm. always be one of many armors that I, I really, really love. I do love the modern uh, Adi Granov designed armor that they used for the movies. But yes, yes the Silver Centurion armor is, is incredible. Oh,
0: no, it is. It, it's one of my favorites. I, yeah, it really is. All right, so... Um, Drew from um, Comics for Fun and Profit podcast submitted this question. What was your first LCS?
1: Oh, so so in Toledo, I bounced around to a few uh, local comic stores. My mm-hmm. very very first LCS was a comic store called King's Comics in Toledo, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then eventually they shut their doors. Mm-hmm. And I moved over to a comic store called Cosmic Creations, also mm-hmm. in Toledo. Mm-hmm. And then at about that time, I uh, I kind of stopped reading comics for that period of, of time in high school when, you know, when when a boy's interest turns to other things. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then when I came back to comics as an adult, my LCS was the game room, uh, once again in Toledo, Ohio. And that is still... That's the that's the store that I always consider, you know, my home store, my LCS. Even though I'm out here in Seattle, Washington, yes. you know, the game room will always and forever be my uh, my LCS.
0: That's pretty cool. I have uh, off the cuff question: uh, What comic drew you back um, to reading
1: comics again, or getting interested in comics? Well, I was I was in school. I was a, I was an English writing major. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to write. Uh, creatively in some capacity, and I thought uh, for a lot of my college career that I was going to be a short story writer, that I was going to be a Ray Bradbury or a Harlan Ellison. And uh, when that kind of fell through, and I realized that uh, that's not where my skills lied, uh, I picked up a copy uh, just casually. I was I was browsing a Barnes and Noble. Uh, graphic novel display, and I picked yes. up a copy of *The Authority*. Oh yes, by uh, by Warren Ellis. And what's really interesting about *The Authority* is that that first trade paperback they put out, mm-hmm. they reprinted the first issue script in the back of the trade. Oh, okay. And as I was looking at the script, I was thinking to myself, "Well, hey, I still want to be a writer. I still want to be in a creative profession.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to this day. My script format looks like Warren Ellis's script format, so that's still how I write my scripts.
0: That's pretty cool. Okay, so um, from so I'm gonna the next question. It's a nice segue to the next question. So, how did your journey begin? Um, begin breaking into comics. Uh
1: so so yeah, just like I said, I I found that.
0: Mm-hmm
1: that script Uh and then subsequently tried writing my own very badly. You know, those are things that no one will ever see Uh lost to the annals of history. Uh, Uh, and then, uh, just like Jake from adventure time says sucking at something is the first step towards becoming pretty good at something. Uh And I just kept at it.
0: Uh
1: And, uh, eventually I was confident enough in the scripts I was writing uh, to to write just a four-page short story. Um, and then I found an artist uh, who lived in Brazil, and he was willing to draw that four-page story for $25 a page, which is an incredible bargain. Yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's just a little four-page story. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I don't know that anyone will ever see these again. It was called The, the Undertaker's Daughter, and it was about a uh, – Uh, a teenage girl who was also a a hit woman. Oh. Um, And, uh, you know, and I put it online and, you know, seven people read it, but those seven people reacted positively. So I did it again, did it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eventually became confident enough to do some longer stories. Uh, I did a book called Orphans, which was a five issue, 110 page graphic novel miniseries. Uh, I did that on Kickstarter. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, that was successfully funded, and so I did that again yes. uh, with a book called uh, Red Angel Dragnet, which is another um, uh, Kickstarter-funded graphic novel. Uh-huh. Um, which, having those two successful books out there, um, while not having a publisher attached, people yes. who read them seem to, by and large, enjoy the work. Uh-huh. And that attracted uh, a couple of, you know, smaller publishers who were interested in, in, in collaboration. I did yeah. uh, fake empire with Darby pop, oh, okay. which, which is a, a graphic novel uh, about uh, someone kills the tooth fairy on page one. And uh, it becomes a murder mystery of, mm-hmm. of who, who did it. Um, and from there I you know got a little attention from from marvel and was able to just at least do one page story you know and that makes yes. me a marvel writer and you can never take that away from me yeah um but then you know i did no angel which you know got some attention yes. mm-hmm. uh from publishers uh and because i had wanted to work with with wendell mm-hmm. uh cavalcante who was the artist on blacksmith uh we did a book together called Atlantis Wasn't Built for Tourists. And because I had had earlier success on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. we took that book to Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was successfully funded and that uh drew the attention of Scout Comics.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And uh it was, you know, reprinted and published as a four issue miniseries with Scout uh again uh to uh you know positive reviews. Mm-hmm. And here we are, yeah. you know, it's just uh it's, it's like climbing a ladder, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? It's, you, you do something small and just keep, you just keep climbing.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, how, how did it feel to see your name on a comic book? Like, you know, like, you know, your published work. How, how did it feel?
1: Uh, it still feels present tense, incredible. Okay. I try to take, uh, I take Wednesdays off on days when I have a book release, if I can manage it, Mm -hmm. uh, just because there is something very special uh, about being able to go to an LCS Mm -hmm. on release day and seeing your book on the shelf. And that is, I think, hopefully something I never lose. I hope Mm -hmm. that I'm always just delighted to see my name on a book on a Wednesday.
0: That is so cool. That is so cool. Okay, so now we're going to move into Blacksmith. Now, without giving any spoilers away, what is the premise of the story?
1: Uh, with, with zero spoilers, Blacksmith yeah. is a supernaturally tinged noir detective story mm-hmm. about a woman named... Janie Jones Strummer Mercado Mm -hmm. who is hired to find 30 stolen bullets which may or may not have been cast from the silver that was given to to Judas. Oh that's pretty cool and then how did you come up with the story? Um it is it is it is a byproduct of my love of those classic noir mm-hmm. uh, detective stories you know I set this in LA just like all of those mm-hmm. uh, Sam Spade mm-hmm. Philip Marlowe stories uh-huh. that, you know you know that you imagine Humphrey Bogart walking around in in, in LA or Chinatown yeah. and uh, and also a love of that supernatural supernaturally yes. Tinged dark fantasy of things like supernatural or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. That really is, and that, um, I, and I know you get, you're paired up with um, um Wendell, your artist again from now. Correct me if I'm wrong from um from from your from Atlantis wasn't built for tourists. Um, how, did, how did you guys pair up again for this? Did you request for him or?
1: Yes. So remember when I told you that I was finally confident enough to hire an artist from Brazil to do that little four page story? Yes. That was Wendell. So Wendell and I have a 10 year plus relationship in comics and um he is a a delightful artist to work with. He is someone I consider a friend in spite of the geographic distance between us. And um, you know, I hope that, he and I end up having one of those Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips type, mm-hmm. uh, you know, creative partnerships that lasts for decades. Um, he's always someone who's great to work with. He did Atlantis wasn't built for tourists with me, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, he's drawing this now we have, you know, other pitches out in the ether who knows what mm-hmm. will happen in the future. Yes. But, um, but yeah, he is, he is wonderful to work with and, um, uh, I was very excited that when I pitched this book to Ahoy mm-hmm. and showed them Wendell's art, they were also on board with him, with him drawing the book. That is so cool.
0: Um, as I mentioned before that, you know, um, I haven't, I read the advanced copy, you know, I love Wendell's art and it, it to me, I don't know for, to me, it kind of, s- sort of reminds me a little bit of, a little bit of Jose Luis Garcia Lopez's art. I, I don't, it, it, I, I just love it. it you know, I, I'm not an artist and I, I, I don't know the technical term, but it's really nice. It, it's, 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 to me, it looks clean.
1: Yeah, he's got a very clean, you know, he reminds me of like part of that tradition. And I, of course, you know, I, I hope your listeners will forgive me. In spite of being in comics, I sometimes am at a loss for, for, picking up the nuances of styles but he has like he belongs in that same tradition of all those those great you know late 80s artists like Jerry Ordway and yes. uh and uh you know Jose <laughs> Yeah uh, Jose, uh, okay, yeah, Jose Luis Yeah Jose Luis Garcia Lopez sorry excuse me no. and uh you know you know that style you know there's even I you know hints of of Alan Davis in there so so yeah I definitely see that and it's you know, it was perfect for this book. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I hope that whether it's with me or on his own, I hope that this book gets him the attention that he has deserved, um, all along. Yeah.
0: And then, um, let's see also to, uh, correct me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong. So, um, blacksmith issue number one, um, there's going to be, um, how many variant covers is going to be on this
1: one? So the the main covers for the whole series yes. are by Liana Kangas, who is another dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, she drew a story that I wrote for the first Dead Beats anthology, um, and uh, I was really excited when again Ahoy was on board with with Liana doing the covers, and she's doing <laughs> these really great. It's 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 a mashup of these like pulpy 1950s novel covers but with her like neon color sensibilities
0: yeah. and
1: and they're just fana- fantastic now uh-huh. um the variants uh the first variant uh, first issue variant cover will be by jamal igel and it's oh. another it's a, an astounding cover it, and that's jamal doing a cover on a book that i wrote is you know it's something i can knock off my bucket list i'm really mm-hmm. excited there and then steve Pugh. Uh, they recently revealed that he's doing the variant cover for issue two. And, oh,
0: that's pretty cool. That's really nice. Uh, okay, so on the House Indie podcast, now that episode was on October twelfth, twenty twenty. You talk about creating a playlist on Spotify for each of your pro- for each of your projects. Can you explain to our listeners? Uh, uh, can you just explain that a little bit to our listeners? you know,
1: um, like your
0: playlist and so forth like
1: that? Uh, Sure. Like uh, it is a combination of two things when you do a playlist. The first one is that you kind of uh, you try to find songs that, that set the mood for the kind of story you're telling. Mm -hmm. And you also, if you have a playlist that you go back to each time whether the songs necessarily have anything specific to do with the story or not mm-hmm. uh, you, you uh, it puts you in the same mindset each time you listen to that same playlist. So if I'm yeah. writing and I have to leave and come back to a story mm-hmm. uh, that playlist helps me get back into the, the mindset that I was in when I, when I, when I stepped away.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Now um, you know, what is your playlist on Spotify for this series?
1: Uh so uh as i said the main character uh Janie Jones Mercado is uh her her father uh her father she inherited two things from her father one huh. is a love of the band the clash uh, up to and including her nickname yes uh strummer mm-hmm. and uh the second thing i don't want to i don't want to reveal just yet okay um it's out there in the world but uh, uh just for purposes of our podcast i hope as many readers as possible come into it blind. Um, and so there's a lot of clash and a lot of covers of clash songs on, on the blacksmith playlist. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as well as a few songs by artists that I know were influenced by the clash, uh, and songs that kind of set them the mood, watching the detectives by Elvis Costello is on the blacksmith playlist. And, uh, Uh, werewolves of london is on the playlist Mm -hmm. so uh so yeah it's it's a very punk inspired playlist this time around that's pretty cool
0: okay and then um do you have um what are um now correct me if i'm wrong drummers is it her best friend ben selat ben
1: selat is uh her her uh her partner, her, uh, her, her partner as a detective, right. Mm-hmm. As a PI, her and friend, right. They are very close friends.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yes. But uh, you know, this is as much Ben's story and, and, and Ben gets a good yeah. story arc as well as, 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 uh, as Strummer herself in this book.
0: And then I'm going to ask, does, do you have like any songs when you're writing for Ben or anything like
1: that? Um, There is a song called uh pretty melody mm-hmm. that is ben's song by butch walker and the black widows um and then um while there is a an overall uh playlist for blacksmith mm-hmm. i would say strummer's song which is not actually a clash song it's a song called black sheep by a australian musician named jen wigmore um and uh yeah, uh, everyone should uh, uh, should subscribe to the Ahoy newsletter because I believe we are going to put the whole playlist in an upcoming uh, uh, installment of the newsletter.
0: Oh, that's going to be pretty cool. I was I was going to ask you about if you're going to put a playlist in the um, in one of the issues, but that's pretty cool in the um, in the Ahoy um, newsletter. Okay, that's pretty cool. That is. Yeah,
1: yeah, and then once the newsletter's out, I'll throw the Spotify link up on Twitter too for everyone to to find.
0: Ah, that's pretty cool. Okay. So, um, I'm just, I am just asking because now correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're a Star Trek fan, correct?
1: Yes, of course.
0: Okay. I, I, am just curious because I'm kind of, when I was reading, when I was reading the copy, you know, I see Ben Salat's name, I see his last name. Um, any, I thought it was, is it any reference to the Salat of, Spock's pet from yesteryears, or is it something totally different? Am I reading too much into Ben's last name?
1: So his name does have a meaning. Um, okay. uh, you're a little, you're a little lukewarm here. Uh, his, his name comes from uh, an order of of jinn, of genies in uh, in Middle Eastern mythology.
0: Oh. Okay. Um, which
1: is going to play into his origin, but again, I don't want to give away oh. too much of the uh, of the storyline.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Okay.
1: Now whether now whether the the Star Trek uh writers uh you know borrowed from that same mythology when they were naming uh parts Sp- of Spock's story yeah. is I I couldn't speculate.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. No, okay. Um and then um how did you come up with the title Blacksmith?
1: So this was originally uh this was originally in in the uh during the creations phase of this book we were we were working with the working title strummer oh, okay. um, but i wanted something a little pithier and something that goes along with the like ahoy's sensibilities as uh, somewhat you know with a sense of humor mm-hmm. yeah. and um the uh, strummer's client the the man who hires her mm-hmm. uh to Uh, to find the stolen bullets is a is a man named Rainsford Black yes and so from there uh, you know we were able to establish sort of the pun title blacksmith
0: okay okay (laughs) I when I was reading it I I kept going it sounds like blacksmith so you know like a like a blacksmith you know that does the sure yeah the horseshoes and stuff like that okay I'm going to say now it makes a little more sense to me now. Okay. No, that's great. I love it. Um, let's see. Um, any last words about blacksmith?
1: Uh, it's a five issue mini series. Okay. Uh, it is printed in, uh, you know, black and white with gray tones. Okay. Uh, it's, you know, which is, which is new for me and I'm excited to to show that off to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm very proud of the book. I hope, that uh, people will check it out in July.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Now, final questions before we start getting into the fun questions. Sure. Now, Drew submitted this. Where do you see the comic book industry going in 2021?
1: Well, that is a that's a good question. Um, you know, I've I feel like in some ways – there has been a a leveling of a playing field in 2020 because Mm -hmm. of, you know, a lot of companies having to, to go pencils down and, and scale back their, their output. It has allowed a lot of indie publishers and a lot of Kickstarter, uh, Kickstarter first creators to thrive. You know, people had money set aside for conventions and going to their LCS and because of COVID restrictions, they they haven't been able to do that and what i really would like to see is for that playing field to remain level because there are a lot of indie creators doing really interesting things outside of not just the big two but outside of uh you know the traditional go to your lcs and place an order through diamond uh uh, business model Mm -hmm. and i would i i would i hope that continues and i hope that people are starting to realize just how expansive the the medium can be, and how much how many cool things you can do if you're not strictly shackled to the or twenty to twenty-four page monthly uh, periodical model.
0: Oh yes, yeah. Now, and I'm going to say that's the perfect segue into the next question. If you can talk about what new projects do you have coming up.
1: Sure. So in June, I will be launching a uh, a Kickstarter for uh, a oversized hardcover graphic novella. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I say oversized, I mean dimension wise. We're going to print it in uh, European style dimensions, which are about eight and a half by eleven and a half inches. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be a hardcover graphic novella. It's going to be called Manticore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be a standalone graphic novella. But I hope that it really opens up more stories set in the universe that I've created for that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working with, with uh, Chris Peterson, who was another comic book veg- veteran. He did uh, uh, books, some work for black mask, as well as the, uh, the Grindhouse house uh, doors open at midnight series for mm-hmm. dark horse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and he's turning in the best work of his career for this. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're working to have that book all done when we launched the Kickstarter. Okay. Um, and uh, again, it's, it's an example of, I hope that it, it, it exists as a proof of concept of what you can do when you break free of the, again, the, the 20 to 24 page periodical model yes. with an eye towards putting out a trade paperback.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. And then I'm going to ask, I'm just touching bases, um, Deadbeats 2, is that Yes, enough? and
1: then and then also in June we will be launching the uh, Kickstarter campaign for Deadbeats Beats Two. It will be edited uh, by myself along with my editing partner Joe Carallo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, I am, uh, you know, a uh, Wave Blue World will be publishing that volume as well, and they have hired uh, snipers to follow me around to make sure I don't reveal the, <laughs> the creative team too far ahead, too far in advance. But we've got you know, another, uh, a really good mix of, of industry veterans and newcomers. Uh, it is gonna be, just like the first volume, it will uh-huh. be a uh, musically inspired uh, horror stories. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, just like the first volume, again, uh, it will focus on the mysterious Deadbeats record store and uh, its equally mysterious shopkeeper who acts uh, as kind of like the Crypt Keeper from the old Tales from the Crypt stories. Introducing the stories and uh, with the stories kind of focusing on items for sale within the shop.
0: Oh, That sounds pretty cool. (laughs) That really sounds pretty cool. (laughs) Okay, all right. So um, um, I'm slowly wrapping this up. So I'm gonna start going into my fun question. So um, I know you are a Star Trek fan. are you um, like? Um, are you a fan of a certain series, like um, the original series, the Next Generation,
1: or Deep uh, I st- I believe that the Next Generation is great. Yes. Uh, but my favorite series is Deep Space Nine. I think Deep Space Nine is the the story like the um, all of the series found opportunities to tell mature stories, but I think the overall arc of of, of Deep Space Nine is the most interesting to me. Um, And it's, you know, it, it kind of defies the, the, the general mold of the Star Trek uh, story. Mm -hmm.
0: No, I mean, I'm going to say, I agree with you. Um, I'm going to, I'm, I, you know, the original series still, you know, I still love the original series. Um, Deep Space Nine, it's, I'm going to say whatever day, (laughs) You asked me, what's your favorite Star Trek series? I could say Deep Space Nine. Tomorrow could be the um, original series. But it's usually the first two seasons. The third season was kind of okay. I mean, I love the next generation. I do. But something about Deep Space Nine for me was like from, I think it was season three, season finale, the Jem'Hadar, all the way literally towards the end of Deep Space Nine run, that was to me the the best story arc, you know. Yeah, but I agree with you. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, have you been to any Star Trek conventions?
1: No, I have never been to a, a Star Trek uh, specific convention. Yeah. Um, okay. you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's comic conventions. I'm really excited to get back to. Yes. Um, but you know, with the with the demands of having a day job and 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 everything else it is sometimes you sort of have to pick and choose your battles and you know comic conventions serve to you know several purposes for me one is it's a and it's an opportunity to to connect with readers and mm-hmm. and colleagues but it's also an opportunity for me to connect with editors and talk about future opportunities for work
0: yeah Okay. Um, I'm going to get back to the conventions in a minute. A question about the conventions in a minute. Um, um, have you ever thought of writing um, a Star Trek sto- a Star Trek miniseries, Star Trek Deep Space Nine miniseries for IDW, or is there a story brewing in your head, going, "What if there is this little story in part of the Dominion War that was never ever told?" Has that ever?
1: I mean, yeah. yes, of course. I would love to to work on. Uh, you know, a Star Trek book, but aside from you know talking to editors and and expressing my interest, yeah. you know that that the ultimate opportunity to do that is out of my hands right oh. i can yeah. I can pursue that work, but but someone has to offer me the job first. Oh, yeah. so you know, maybe someday um, and you know that hope Springs Eternal, I would love to do work in uh, in that. Uh, in that universe or in its, uh, you know, I know we talked about, about not talking about the Orville, but uh, I would absolutely write an Orville story as well. All
0: right. (laughs) Okay. Um, Then, okay. My, my convention question. Um, So um, what was your best convention moment or moments?
1: Uh, let me see. So years ago, uh-huh. uh, years ago, I remember sitting in a bar in Chicago. Uh, this was before C2E2 was even a convention back in the, the wizard world Chicago days, um, or the heyday of the wizard world Chicago. Uh, I should say it's still going on, but it was a very different show, uh, once upon a time. And I just remember, uh, sitting at, in a bar with, uh, Adam Kubert and, and Mark Muller around the time they announced the ultimate fantastic four series and just drinking till 2.00 AM in the bar. And you know, them, it was kind of that moment where you realize that comics creators who you sometimes put on a pedestal and uh, are just regular people, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's just, you know, so, you know, when you, And that, that helps a a would-be creator, which I was at the time, Mm -hmm. realize that, you know, that level of success is attainable. Mm -hmm. And, and so like those, those are good moments. Like the moments where you sit and, you know, uh, everybody is on equal footing Mm -hmm. is, is, uh, is great. And a similar, uh, you know, years later at C2E2 at the bar after hours, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Azzarello just going on a tirade. Uh, I'm a Detroit Tigers baseball fan mm-hmm. and he, he grew up in, uh, in Cleveland before moving to Chicago. So he's an Indians fan. And just, you know, just yelling at me because I'm a, a Detroit Tigers fan, um, using words that I dare not repeat on a podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, was just a phenomenal that was a phenomenal experience
0: it's just basically it's just two guys talking baseball that right that,
1: absolutely the, i'm sorry i
0: don't mean to laugh but but it's just like no. can, i can but that's but those are that that's pretty cool you know like you said it's just you, you guys are just sitting at a bar just talking story talking about sports <laughs> but that's pretty cool Okay. Um, let's see. Um, I know you said, I know earlier in the interview, you, you mentioned about um, as much as you can, you try to take a Wednesday off when your comic, when your comic is going to be released on that Wednesday, um, which LCS do you, uh, are you okay naming which LCS you go to?
1: Yeah. In Seattle, uh, mm-hmm. there are two stores in Seattle that I want to give us a, sp- a special shout out to because they're wonderful stores. Mm-hmm. They're incredibly supportive. Uh, of the medium in general and of my work specifically, one is is Outsider Comics and Geek Boutique, which okay. is in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one is uh, Arcane Comics and Games, which is in Shoreline, Washington, which is a, uh, a northern suburb of the city. Wow.
0: Okay, that's pretty cool. Thank you. Um, let's see. Um, let's see. And have you been to Hawaii?
1: I have never been to Hawaii, but mm-hmm. I am now... Relative to when I was back in Ohio, uh-huh. Uh, you know, Alaska Airlines has direct, uh, obviously, direct flights to uh, to Hawaii. So, so maybe someday soon.
0: Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, um, what is your favorite takeout place in in Seattle?
1: Oh, favorite takeout place. Uh, Well, since we've had a lot of takeout in the last year, uh-huh. um, I will say. Uh, uh next level burger, which is a, a vegetarian burger joint that is attached to Whole Foods Market.
0: Okay.
1: Um, does phenomenal veggie burgers. Mm-hmm. And has absolutely been uh, you know, that's been our go-to for the last uh the last several months while we're stuck in quarantine.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um Let's see. Let's see. Basically, I'm slowly, I'm going to be wrapping this up already. Um, Again, you know, um, uh, again, can you promote your social media platform again?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, once again, I hope people will check me out at at Eric Palicki on Twitter, Mm -hmm. at Eric Palicki on Instagram, and come find my website at ericpalicki.com. Okay.
0: And then any last words for our listeners?
1: you know, just just a reminder that uh, Blacksmiths will be uh, Blacksmith rather will be in stores on July seventh. Please okay. let your local comic store know if you'd like to pre-order a copy. Mm-hmm. Uh, indie Indie Comics live and die by pre-orders, uh, so it's it's always appreciated, uh, both uh, on my behalf, the publisher's behalf, and it helps your local comic store know. What kind of books you're into, and to make sure that you have a copy available when when it's released in stores. It's not the ideal model for ordering comics, but it's what we've got. So mm-hmm. please do that. Uh, and then, you know, corollary to that is, um, you know, over the past year, small businesses have have taken a hit. So uh, if you are buying comics. Please consider a local comic store before you, uh, can cons- you know before you hit up a chain bookstore or Amazon.com. So,
0: Eric, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you for giving me the opportunity um, to interview you uh, regarding Ahoy's new miniseries, Blacksmith. So, thank you very much. And then. A reminder to our listeners. So again, Black's Black's Myth. The preview order code. Now, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. It's May two one 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 two two. And again, it comes out on July seventh. If you get a chance, please put this on your pull list. Um, I want to, you know, and you know, I just want to give a again. I just want to give a big mahalo to Hannah. Again, you know, Hannah, thank you very much for helping set up this interview. Thank you very much. Um, Eric, do you want to add anything to that part?
1: No, just again, like thanks to both Hannah and, and David Hyde at Superfan Promotions. Uh, they're, they've been phenomenal. I love doing podcasts. And, you know, and also thank you to you, Jason, for for reaching out and getting me on the show. This has been, you know, an awesome opportunity. I'm glad we, we were able to, to talk And I hope we can do it again.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you very much. Yes. And I hope we get to do it again, Eric. Thank you very much. Um, I also want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit um, for putting this episode together. And Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. So thank you very much. And for, you know, if you are a new listener to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast, please check out new episodes that come out every Saturday. And finally, I want to thank you, the listeners, for your time. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys, aloha.
1: Aloha.